this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thank you. All right, everyone can have a seat. Hope you're well. Thanks, bands. We'll start off straight into it with a scripture from Philippians. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How good. I want to talk today, church, about peace in God and finding peace. It's easy to um, consider finding peace in God when everything's going smoothly. When everything's great, you're like, I am a peaceful, calm person and everything is going great. But then when things don't go so great, that's really when you have to really look into finding peace with God. And so I'll, I'll give an example of that for myself. I, uh, a few years ago, uh, Lara and I were engaged, so five, six years ago, and we were living separately because, well, interstate, living, uh, she was living here on the Central Coast and I was in Townsville. Um, at the time, I was a young, still lieutenant, I think, in the army, um, the unit I was at was where I wanted to be. The subunit, I was right where I wanted to be. Um, and I remember I had, you know, I had a sore knee or something. So I went to this doctor and he's like, oh, this is actually really not good. Um, did a few scans and tests and was like, yeah, you need surgery on your knee. I was like, okay, look, that's a bummer. But, you know, it's just one of those things that you go through. Um, and I remember that weekend I had planned to go down to Canberra and uh, like a football reunion thing. Uh, meet up with some friends and there was, a, there was a band, like a concert on as well. So it was all lined up and I'm like, oh, great. So we went down and we did like a, you know, the, the current football team versus the old boys. And I'm like, I was an old boy. I was all of like 26 or whatever. Like, um, anyway, so I, I had a, the sore knee and needed surgery, but it wasn't like it could get worse or anything. Well, it could, but um, it wasn't going to affect the way I was playing or anything. And it didn't, you know, I was running around fine and my knee was fine. But what actually happened is I went into an awkward tackle and I just completely snapped my wrist, went sideways, broke both bones, just clean snapped them. And so um, I remember like doing it and looking down and like it was like this. I'm like, okay, great. So um, got a young officer. I'm like, get the car. We're going to the hospital. So I went there and they put me under and I had surgery that night and I wake up with like two prongs like sticking out through my skin on through the bones and I'm like so I guess I'm not going to this band concert thing uh, tonight either and um, so that was out flew back to Townsville and uh, the doctor's like great you're booked in for surgery on your knee in a week now so I rocked up for that with this cast on my arm as well and they're like oh no 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 you can't I'm like we're doing the surgery okay I'm getting it all done now I'm not delaying this out so yeah I had the knee surgery as well and so I found myself at home like in the course of like oh so I had the knee surgery and that sucked and but then I also had a checkup with the the army doctor on my wrist and they're like they have not done a good job on this the 
metal poke situation. We're going to take them out and do something else. So then I had a third surgery in the fourth week um, on my wrist again. And so like, and yeah, big cast and all this. So in the course of like four weeks, I went from like, everything is fine to three surgeries at home, can't go to work, stuck at home. I can't drive with, without a leg or an arm. I could barely, like the first three nights, I remember the last surgery, I was so fed up with the hospitals. They're like, okay, do you have someone to pick you up and take you home? I'm like, yep, yep, all good. Yep, I'm engaged, yep. She's in New South Wales, I'm in Townsville, but yep, got an Uber, went home and kind of like crawled into my living room, sat on my couch and I was literally on that couch for two days. Like I could not move. I was on like just the painkillers and just like crawled to the bathroom in the kitchen and like ate a banana and that was about it. It was just horrible. And um, I got a little bit more in tune with like being so um, beaten up. I got scissors and I cut my cast around my thumb so that I could hold a PlayStation controller. So that, that gave me... <laughs> that gave me, you know, I'm like, I'm set. Okay, I haven't bought some computer games. Yeah, I'll buy some computer games. Like, I was set for a few weeks there. Anyway, um, it was crazy. And it, but it's, during that time, it was really easy just to forget about, I physically could not get to church. And this was sort of before online churches and thick things. But I just remember thinking, well, this is a great opportunity for me to just really hook in, read the Bible and pray as much as possible. Uh, you know, I'm not busy with literally anything other than sitting around. So I really just took the time and tried to find as much peace in God as I could. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because finding peace in God, like I said, when everything is smooth sailing, it's almost like, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be, right? That's, it's peaceful, it's tranquil. And the idea sometimes of, you know, peace in God is just smooth sailing and that, that's kind of the definition of it. Everything is calm, everything is quiet and serene. It's like going to the beach in the morning. It's like going on a bushwalk and everything's nice, you know. But peace in God is much more than that. So I want to cover through like what it is and why we should really strive to achieve a peace in God. So if you look into what the word peace means when it's used in this context in Philippians, in the New Testament, predominantly written in Greek, and the Old Testament, there's two words that come up. So the old word in the, sorry, the old word, they're both old, but the, um, the Old Testament word is shalom. And shalom means a completeness. It means without deficiency. It means a, like well-being. And so like to this day in Jewish culture, you hear them say, oh, shalom. It's like well-being be upon you. And that, that's the word that's used to, that the English translation is for peace. And really it means more than just being still and tranquil it means a completeness, like a unity, uh, without anything lacking. And the Greek word, which is irene, I could not pronounce it, I tried anyway. But that is the, basically the same definition. It means unity. It means conjoining. And so it's interesting that peace is, by definition in the Bible, contextually when it was spoken about, is much more than just being still and being nice and being chilled out. It means being complete and whole. It means that there is something more to what you are and you need to take action to restore that. And so when we are thinking about finding peace, it is intentionally thinking about what more we can be and putting those pieces together. And true spiritual peace and being at ease in the English sense of the word will come after we have been wholly made. After we have been at peace, then we'll be at ease, if that makes sense. So we need to, we need to put ourselves together in such a way that then 
when we can find rest and, and be at ease through difficult circumstances. It's more than just, la, 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 I'm just going to ignore it and just chill through, you know, like everything's good, man, it's all good. Even though it's not, it's not ignoring circumstances. It's being intentional about finding what we are deficient in and working on those and understanding that God has projected so much more for us than what we currently are. Amen. So why, why would we want to find peace if that doesn't sound good enough and I've got to sell it to you? Um, but Proverbs 12.20, it says that uh, those who promote peace have joy and deceit in the heart of those plot evil. We're not talking about don't be evil. There's a base point. We can just brush over that one for it quickly. But for this one here, we're focusing on those who promote peace have joy. When you are promoting yourself to have peace, you will have joy. It's, it's really counterintuitive to think, okay, well, if I want to be happy, I just strive to do happy things, right? I find joyful things. No. That, that is, it's a shallow form that dies and it won't last. True joy is found in peace. And peace is found in being complete with God. If you want joy, it also says here, um, oh, different translation. Oh, well. There's a, there's a different translation that says those who plan for peace. So you have to actually think about having peace and, and how you're going to get there. It's not just, okay, I'm peaceful. It's all happening. I'm going to just put it together. It's all good. No, you have to actually think about the intentional steps. You have to put a plan forward. You know, Where, I'm, where am I now? Where should I be? Where does God want me to be? And, and where do I, what steps do I need to take? What's the gap between those two things? Yeah. Because Jesus wants you to fill that gap, but it's up to you to actually take those steps. His, his hand is out saying, you're there and you should be here. Let's go. Yeah? You should be up here. You can be so much better. Look at, look at this. And all you've got to do is start working towards that, plan towards that. But it is your steps. Um, if I'm following up, peace, it really does bring you um, joy. That, that time where I went through four-week surgery and I, I missed out on this show, which I was really... Uh, frustrated about it. I remember there was this band from England, you know, I don't go to many concerts and shows, they're expensive and whatnot. And uh, about three or four years later, I was in Melbourne um, and I was at the Planet Shakers conference and it's, it was in uh, the Melbourne arena, like Rod Laver arena, like one, the big one there. And I remember walking there one night and there's two kind of stadiums in Melbourne. There's the Rod Laver and then there's the other one, the other tennis one, someone. Margaret Court, that's it, nailed it. Um, so there, and in between them is this big, massive kind of grass, just nothingness. But I remember walking past the other one and saw Playing Tonight, and it was the band that I'd missed like four years ago. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's... Oh, well, I didn't know that was on, and the tickets cost over 100 bucks. I don't really have the time, and I'm seeing Planet Shakers anyway. So anyway, I went into this Planet Shakers conference and then came out... You know, they got breaks between services and things like that. And the band that was playing had a break between the shows or whatever. And both the crowds had merged onto this field in between. And I don't think either of the crowds knew the other thing was on because I could see all these, like, Christian young families at Planet Shakers looking over at these, like, youth in black and the black makeup and the chains, you know, it's that kind of band, I know. And, um, and I just, I remember that you could tell them like, geez, the, the youth group's gotten a bit rough recently. And like, and like all these like, you know, goth kids or whatever looking like, why are there like 10 year olds seeing this band? Like what, what are they doing here? Like, 
this is not the kind of show. I think even the even the goth kids were like, "Hey, like, come on, let's be age appropriate." Like, <laughs> um, anyway. And I just thought, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna. I saw a, a bunch of them leaving, and I just was like, I'm just. I'm. I got nothing to lose here. I'm like, hey, excuse me. Have you got tickets to that show? They're like, oh yeah, we saw the band we want already. I'm like, can I have your tickets? Uh, yeah, sure. And so they like gave me the ticket and a little wristband thing. And so I just kind of put it on, like literally like that. And I go, stuck it on. And then just kind of walked into the show, like held it up so the wristband was on. And like, yeah, we're all good. Cool, going in. And so I went and sh- saw this band. I didn't feel, I didn't steal because I missed the show four years ago, okay? <laughs> like I didn't get a refund for those tickets, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is God making everything equal, okay? <laughs> That's what this is, okay? All right. You, don't, you want me to say the name of the band? Okay, the name of the band is called Bring Me The Horizon. Yes, some people, oh yeah, they're, yeah, anyway. Um, they sound lovely, they're lovely. Don't Google them. Um, so anyway, it was great. I got to see this show and I'm like, and you know, four years later, it was, it was great. So I was like, oh, it all, it all comes together and it was I, was, I was truly like, this is actually great. Um, so it was, it was just awesome. But you can't achieve joy by chasing it. All right, you just need to live in peace with God. I had gone to Planet Shakers. I was being the Christian, okay? I was living in peace with God to go to Planet Shakers and this opportunity came up. I would not have gone to that show if I hadn't gone to Planet Shakers, okay? You can Google Planet Shakers, all right? That is a good thing to do, all right? Um, um, Yeah, I think I might have been the only one that did both of those things. I think on the day of the 30,000 people there, I don't think there was many crossover between those two. Anyway, the second part of why, um, well, Philippians uh, 4.7, we already said it, but peace brings protection. It says that the peace of God guards your heart. And that what's the really important call out here is that the peace comes first before you are protected. It's not, I was protected and therefore I'm at peace. No, no, you're at peace and then you are protected. It seems counterintuitive because you, you feel like, well, if I want to be at peace, I've got to get the promotion, pay down the home loan, uh, wife and kids, I've got to make sure that I, you know, get this sorted. Um, you know, they're the problems we face in Australia and other parts of the world. It might be literally physically protected or whatever, like, and then I'll find peace. No, you need to find peace with God. You need to put yourself together in such a way that you are then protected by him. There is a protection that comes with being a child of God that is unavailable elsewhere. It's not achievable through the means of making sure you've got the right connections and I've got to have this and that. No, no, no. Put yourself together in such a way that you are aligned with God and making progress. And on that journey, God will protect you. Protection comes after the peace. It will guard your heart and mind it won't allow for if when you're truly at peace, you're not going to be, you know, completely at odds or stressed out and anxious about everything that's going on. The infinite number of things that you could be stressed about because you are protected, your heart is protected, and you are at peace with God. the The last one here is Isaiah fifty five twelve, and that is outlining that you will go out in joy. And you'll be led forth in peace, the mountains and the hills. You'll be led forth because peace brings direction. Living under God and living in peace with God 
provides direction to your life. It is a, a compass for your soul. It is guiding your path forward and understanding that it may not be the easiest route, but it is the peaceful route. It is the way where your soul feels like there are so many obstacles up here, but I just don't feel stressed about it. Like it's all good. I, I can handle this. Whereas if you're looking elsewhere and you're like, there's something about this that just isn't sitting peaceful with me, even if it seems easier, you know, then that's not the route for, to go. It's the path where your soul finds peace, no matter the obstacle. I, I love the saying that the obstacle is the way. The obstacles are often where your most progress is going to be, but there is a peacefulness in your soul that you can find through prayer, through advice, you know, with, with elders in this church and, and your family that you understand, no, I am made for this. Like, it's not going to be easy, but I'm not stressed about it. I'm not, I'm not worried about this particular issue because I am made for that journey. And so peace brings direction. It brings joy and protection. That is what living in peace is. And so how do we go about achieving a peace with God? And so there's three points I want to hit here. And the first is from Psalm 85.10. And that is, Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Peace with God is the first thing that we want to achieve here. When we're trying to find peace, you have to live an understanding of peace with God. And here we're talking about that righteousness and peace kiss each other. Living in righteousness is living with peace with God. It's, it's not just coming to church and saying you're a Christian. No, no, it's living out in righteousness. If you're coming to church and you're living as a Christian and you're calling yourself a Christian, you're praying and reading, you, you're doing everything right. But if you're not living that out in righteousness, you are not going to find peace. You are at odds with everything that you should be aligning with. You're going out and you're lying and you're going out and being dodgy. You're not going to be at peace. You'll probably find it worse because you're trying. You've got a framework of living by and you're living outside of it and the disconnect in your soul is going to probably cause worse for you. Living in righteousness with God at the centre and trusting in his plan for you is the first step in finding peace. Accepting Jesus into your heart, understanding the grace that's available to us, living every week in church, connecting with God and living a righteous life. Trusting God and surrendering your life to him is the first step in finding peace. You know, uh, the, the surgery I spoke about going in my knee, and I'm, every other surgery I've had for that matter, but the doctors always sit you down and like explain, okay, we're going to be doing this, we're going to attach this thing to that thing, and we're going to, you know, and there's a 0.001% chance that this happens, and there's a 2% chance you get this and that. And it, it kind of just washes over you, because it's like, what's the alternative here? Do you want me to do it? Like, obviously not. Like, yeah, okay, I trust you. Like, I guess. Like, what else, what other, what other, what other option is there for me here? Um, oh, what odds were they? 0.2. I want to go and find a doctor that says 0.1. Like, you know, it's kind of meaningless because you just have to trust them, right? Like, I know they have to do it legally and all that, so that's why. But there is a trust when you go into these, like, you're literally just going unconscious and you wake up and hope everything's fixed. Um, like, it's kind of crazy. Um, ideally, you don't have to do that. But we're just talking about a surgery here. We're just talking about stitches and cuts and everything. How much more complex is your entire life? 
like every single choice that you have ever made that has led you to being in this room and will branch off from here, those, you know, science fiction movies and you go back in time and you, you make one little thing and it changes everything, you know, like that's your life. How much more complex is that? You want to hope that the person you're trusting for knows what he's doing, right? Is it like, okay, there's a 0.01% chance of this and that and you're like, this is overwhelming. Put your trust in God. He created you. He created the universe and he's created your life in front of you in the most ideal way. But all you have to do is trust him. Yeah? Don't go to sleep at the wheel. Don't get knocked out unconscious completely for your life. Trust him that he's got a path for you. And that's where the ultimate surrender comes in. Peace is found in trusting God, living his values every day. And no matter how difficult it can be, even though the short term gain, like, oh, if I lie to that person, I might get this. Or if I do this. No, no. Live in righteousness and long term, no matter the material cost at the time, you will live a peaceful life. Amen. The next one is that you need to be at peace with each other. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I mean, almost every single letter that Paul wrote is about being at peace with each other because he's basically writing letters to the churches saying, behave yourselves. And But this one, I appeal to you, this is... Paul writing to the Church of Corinthians, brothers and sisters, in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there'll be no divisions among you. No divisions among you. Like almost, yeah, that you will be perfectly united in mind and thought. United. No divisions. I mean, it's almost, it's, it's almost impossible, right? Like put a group together, you're going to have divisions and you're not going to be perfectly united. But you can in Christ. Like, you, you might disagree with, like, we should have the music louder and the light should be this and the building should do that. It's all material stuff. What we can unite on is the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are united in Christ Jesus. The rest of it's just nothing. It fades, it changes, it's time. But what is eternal is God's love. And so it says to be at peace with each other. God has designed us to be in a church. Since all the way through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, even when the concept of a church didn't exist, the Jews were in tribes. They, they formed bonds in tribes in order to serve God. And so it is now with the church. We're, we're a tribe here designed to unite and serve God. That is what we're designed for. In fact, they've, they've shown that, uh, was it when the USA was being uh, colonised, they would often have people... It's documented really clearly now is people would often leave the, the relative civilization to join the tribes. Or if people that were raised in tribes got brought back to civilization, they would leave because the sense of tribe and being belonging in this group was so much more important than the, the luxuries of civilization and running water and all this stuff. People wanted a tribe to be a part of way more than they wanted anything else that society could offer, you know? So peace, it cannot be found in isolation. It cannot be found by yourself. You can certainly find quiet by yourself and any, any you know, married with kids person will realise that. Yeah, it's quieter by yourself, but there's no peace in that. There is no unity by yourself. You, you can't live like, like short term, sure, you have an afternoon to yourself, how lovely. But long term, you are not at peace. You, you will find problems and situations come up that you can't solve yourself, that you need to rely on other people. You need to ask someone. You don't, I don't know how, man, I don't know how I'd survive with the amount of traders that I know in my life that help me 
because I'm such a terrible handyman. Like, I, I would be bankrupt, honestly. Like, I'm so terrible at handyman stuff. Anyway, but count to that, I'm great at destroying things. Uh, and that does come in handy. I was at my uncle's house only a week ago, and he's like, oh, I'm getting rid of this wall. It's taking me all day. And I joked, I'm like, oh, I'll get rid of that in 20. He's like, yeah, come on. And I was in like my from the office business attire. I'm like, give me that. Get the sledgehammer. And yeah, I just got rid of the wall. Like, I'm good at that. Anyway, um, I spent 12 years destroying things, but building it, I'm like, all right, see ya. You got to put that back together. Um, good luck with that. Anyway, you know, um, you can't control what other people do, as frustrating as that is at times. I was, uh, and, and, that, and that is really what drives a lot of frustration, right? You can drive a wedge between people like, they just did this and it is just, ugh. I was on an exercise once and uh, with the army and you sometimes have to go quite a long time without food or sleep. This particular exercise was designed to see how long you could basically go. So first night, no sleep, you're doing just stupid carry up, just lots of walking and lots of heavy lifting and, and digging and, and destroying things and stuff. Anyway, but the second night, also no sleep. And so by the third day, you do start to really lose it. And, oh, and no food. And uh, I remember a friend, we had one ration pack, one for eight people for the week. And normally you have one ration pack for yourself for one day. So it's a little less than what you normally have um, by a significant margin. And so I remember uh, we had one ration pack and we were like, we'll open it on like the third day or something because the first two days we'll just get it out and, I don't know, sniff grass. And then I remember he rolled his ankle, did his knee or something, so he had, the medics had to take him back. And then on the third day, I remember we're like, okay, we did this massive um, walk up a mountain and got down the other side like, oh, let's, let's get the ration pack open. Hey, Jono, where's jo- Jono's not here. He got taken by the medics. Okay, uh, who did he give the ration pack to? Nobody. Nobody. Jono took the ration pack, or he had it in his pack and forgot. So not even a single muesli bar, nothing. And the instructor that was with us was like, I'm sorry, but I actually don't have food either. Like, I don't have anything to give you. Like, you can boil your leather boots or something, I guess. It was just like, (laughs) Jono, I could kill you. Like, I literally, I literally, if I saw him just then, I was like, I've, I've never seen people so angry. Like, they were so exhausted, and they were like shaking with anger. Like, just like... I, I haven't eaten in three days. I haven't slept in three days. And he's back with the medics. He just, oh, like, anyway, it's just a ration pack too, my goodness. Anyway, but that, those sorts of things, I'm still friends with him. Um, I bring it up. I bring it up often. Uh, every, every time we go to the pub, I'm like, your shout, mate. Your shout. And I'm, you're not going to the bathroom until you pay for it, okay? Um, but things like that, like splinters, like little things can just ruin unity. Because here's the thing, you right here in church, the devil does not want you to be here. And so he will do everything to stop you walking through that door on a Sunday. You kids are going to get sick. You're not going to feel like it. You're going to have to work late on a Friday and you're going to have to do this. And then you've got lots of things sudden Sunday Arvo and you've got in-laws coming up and you've got whatever it is and you just can't stand that one person and the music's too loud. It's whatever it is, whatever it is, okay, he does not want you coming through that door. Yeah? So all it takes is a little thing to just quick, just slowly keep festering until you just, you know what, oh, I'm just going to skip this week and then I'll skip next week and then, and then you're not coming, okay? So just make the effort to be aware that every little thing 
is always an opportunity to say no. There's always a reason to say no, not to come to church. But peace in God is found with each other. And unity is in this room and in the community that we have to serve God. Peace is found not in isolation, but together. And the last point, finding peace in our lives, is you have to have peace with ourselves. Romans 8, 6. It says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The spirit we're talking about with capital S, Holy Spirit. We are, we are, our society right now is, has to be, I don't, I don't know, hasn't, I haven't lived outside of this current society, but we are so governed by the flesh, like in society. Every single thing you look at is about your body and about the flesh. It's even in a good way sometimes, like body positivity and mindfulness and well-being and there's so many apps for every single body thing and like, and that's good. It's, it's not, doesn't have to be like, it's very easy to go, you know, the, uh, all the bad, you know, worldly driven body image stuff, but there's also good stuff, but it's still just focused in on the wrong point. Yeah. Like, it's just not about your flesh and what you own and what you look like. Trying to fill all of that is just filling the, trying to fill the void where Jesus, Jesus' love needs to be in your life. That is a void that nothing will fill. And people fill it with all kinds of stuff. And it doesn't matter, like, being the best at this or being the best. Like, all of it's essentially irrelevant because if you really want peace to feel what is lacking, is it the Spirit, the Holy Spirit needs to lead your life. You know, finding peace with ourselves will mean ourselves. Not finding peace by comparing yourself to others' life. Social media is terrible at it. You just constantly feel like you're just comparing yourself with other people. Even when I'm like consciously make decision to, on social media to like wipe all the, the news and stuff because I'm just it's just always just leaves you in a bad mood. But it, then it just the algorithms just figure out like oh you like buying this kind of thing well then check out more of it and so you're just like oh I'm gonna miss out there's a sale I'm gonna like and you, it's like. Every single thing you click on, the algorithm's going to be like, oh, yeah, you like that? You like rugby? Well, guess what? Here's all rugby stuff. And here's, oh, you like this? You like surfboards? Here are, here's a million surfboards that you don't have. You're like, oh, there's so many surfboards I need to have. Like, no, there isn't. You just bought one. Like, you don't need six more. My wife's shaking her head because I recently did buy two surfboards. Then that's, that's it. That's, that's it. Okay, that's, that's it. I'll have to sell another one. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, this is recorded. Okay, um, yeah, T- for now. Um, just that, did we get that? For now, got it. Um, you know, you, I, I previously said you can't control what other people do. I could not control Jono forgetting that ration pack. But I could control your response, my own response, what I did after that. And so being peace with ourselves is every time something happens, you have a choice on how you want to respond. Are you going to respond selfishly and impatiently and frustrated and, and sarcastic and, and, and with anger? Or are, you, or are you going to respond with the fruits of the Spirit? Are you going to respond with love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness? Every time you respond to something that's outside of your control is an opportunity for growth. Your spiritual maturity 
and your growth in yourself is where you will find peace. Comparing yourself to someone else is pointless. You should compare yourself to who you were a day ago and a year ago. And if there is growth, you will find peace. But if there's no growth in yourself, in your spirit, there is no peace in that. You'll realise, your, your spirit will realise, you know, I'm the same person. I haven't changed for the better in 10 years, in 10 days. I'm just stagnating in the spirit. I'm not getting any more patient. I'm getting worse in certain things. You are not going to find peace. How you choose to respond to things today is how is going to define who you are tomorrow. Make the choice that the fruits of the spirit is going to find peace with yourself to actually respond with those. It is our natural state to respond otherwise. So make the choice to think about how you're responding and are you going to be patient and kind and find peace with yourself because ultimately you are the only thing that you can control. You can influence other people but yourself is the only thing that you can truly control. So make sure that that control is governed by righteousness and governed by the fruits of the Spirit and it's not governed elsewhere or influenced too significantly by other things and internet algorithms and issues abroad and other groups that have nothing to do with aligning yourself with God. Amen? Peace, church. Peace is found is a wholeness. It's not just being calm. It is finding unity in Christ. If the band wants to come up. Peace brings joy. It brings direction. And peace brings protection. Protection doesn't bring peace. You need to be complete before you can find that protection in Christ. And getting there, you're going to have to have trust in God, faith in others, and peace within yourself. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you that your grace, your infinite grace and wisdom and the path you've carved ahead of us is available to us through Jesus' grace. Your gift of your son, Lord, has enabled our lives to be filled, Lord, filled with peace, with love and joy. And we pray for the strength and the wisdom and the patience to respond in kind, Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.